Welcome to Humming Fools, a podcast and amateur auditory guide hosted by nobodies and dedicated to the artists, dreamers, or anyone out there with the creative urge. I have one of your nobodies, Kyle Stuke, and later on I will be joined by our guests, Tom Englinton and Simon Davis. Tom is a multidiscipline writer and artist known for his work on 2000 AD, having written numerous scripts for Judge Dredd as well as creating the folk horror hit Thistlebone. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about that later. And Simon is a painter and comic book illustrator based in London and a member of the Royal Society of Portrait Painters. I said portrait in a weird way, but that's okay. We're going to keep rolling. Most of all, though, guys, um, Tom and Simon are known, in my heart at least, for just being super cool, nice dudes. It was a pleasure talking uh, to them, and they're just both so cool. And A, it is just a, an affirmation for just the humming fool show. That's like, we are so dang lucky. We get just like really nice people. Um, and I don't, I don't understand it. I'm, uh, you know, especially during these crazy times, I'm like, the world is filled with garbage people and you see, <laughs> you see them online and it gets you down. And it makes you sad. And for whatever reason though, the folks who come on humming fools are just like really great. Maybe, you know, maybe that's just, you know, the energy we put out there, we get back, but um, I don't really feel like I'm necessarily playing a role in that. So uh, I'm just super grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for uh, the the community that we formed and just the, the opportunity to be able to talk to these artists who are just, again, super talented, but then also such a pleasure to talk with and um, people who are sharing their time. So uh, I just want to give a quick a shout out. Uh, couldn't have done this without Michael Mulcher. I hope you're, I'm saying your name right, uh, Michael, but... Um, he is the PR coordinator for 2000 AD and he reached out and he's the one who got this all set up. Uh, he put Thistlebone on my radar. He put Tom and Simon, uh, their work on my radar and he introduced us and, uh, thanks to him, we were able to, to get connected and we were able to, uh, make this interview happen. So thank you, Michael. Thanks for reaching out and thanks for, uh, again, facilitating this and getting us all connected because it's, it was such a, uh, joy to, to talk to these guys and you deserve a big part of the credit. So shout out to Michael. Um, and just one other quick thing that I, I, I want to note specifically for this episode is Murphy's law came for us. Uh, the, the dark forces of technology and, uh, bandwidth, uh, reared their ugly necks out. And, um, it, it, it was a very difficult recording session because there was this dang echo that we could not figure out. Now, before you get scared off and go, I don't want to listen to an echo. No worries, y'all. There's no echo on your end. You are not going to be hearing it. And the audio quality is actually very tasty, quite delicious. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> but uh, because of that, I was not able to um, necessarily do as much of a deep dive as I wanted to into Tom and Simon's uh, creative history. And I, I didn't do my normal thing where I kind of inter interrupt and, and kind of get people to clarify things. It was just because of the echo. I really had to, uh, ask a question, be quiet, let the answer come, let the, uh, the next person, whether it be Simon or Tom go and then ask another question. So, um, it is still a very good interview and I think you guys are going to get a lot out of it. Uh, but I did just want to make that note in case you're like, Kyle, like, why aren't you like 
asking your your classic follow-up questions or or trying to annoyingly uh, shoehorn in a joke in the middle of something uh this is why and honestly maybe you know saying those past two things out loud may, maybe it was for the best <laughs> maybe this was the gods uh you know trying to give me a hint but anyway just wanted to make that note and, and on that on that uh also please um show our editor uh carly johnson some love her show notes will be or or her uh socials will be in the show notes because this episode is going to be a nightmare to edit because of that so (laughs) uh, please send carly some love uh because this is this is going to take some work and i appreciate not having to do it myself so uh finally um just want to uh welcome everyone who's here if you're a reoccurring listener uh, thank you so much for for coming back. Thank you for continuing to engage with the show. Love having you. And if you're a new listener, thanks so much for for taking a chance on our podcast and, and for stopping by. Uh, we have a bunch of other interviews, other discussion episodes, and we also have another um, podcast called The Night Shift, which if you're here for Tom and Simon, I think you'd really like as it is a horror podcast where we review horror movies, books, television, all that stuff. But we do it from a lens of trying to have different types of co-hosts. So you have some people who've never seen classic horror before, and I'm introducing them to it. You have other people who have a preference for old-timey B-movies. We watch those. Uh, Then I have a co-host where we get into modern stuff it's a good it's a good group and uh i try to you know do a good job of facilitating people who are really into horror and also people who more have an interest in it and don't have as not uh, as much familiarity so uh if that sounds like your cup of tea again it's called the night shift check the show notes and uh, uh if you enjoyed this interview please check out some of the past ones but enough about me this is about Tom and uh, Simon. So we are we're going to get to the interview. So without any further ado, listeners, here is the interview. Simon, Tom, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Um, it's a pleasure having you guys here. And before we get started, can you just each introduce yourself and say what you do? Tom, are you going first? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm Tom Eglinton. Uh, I'm a comics writer, uh, primarily working on 2000 AD. So um, I think the most famous character I've written for is Judge Dredd. Um, but I also create original series, uh, one of them being Thistlebone with Simon, uh, which is a kind of folk horror, um, modern folk horror comic tale. Uh, my name's uh, Simon Davis. I'm the uh, illustrator or artist on Thistlebone, and I've um, I've been a comic artist for about 30 years, pretty much entirely for 2000 AD. I've done a couple of bits and bobs for other companies but uh and then I'm also a uh portrait painter so and that sort of runs alongside the comic stuff 
as I mentioned uh, over email, wanted to talk to you guys about specifically the book that you guys worked on together, which was Thistlebone, but also wanting to get into just your general art background as well. So um, just for you guys and the the listeners, in case there's anyone new here, um, we're going to start off with a little bit of your guys' backgrounds, and then from there... We'll get more into the actual thistlebone questions, and then we'll end with our rapid fire segment, which will m- potentially make you regret coming on this show if you already do not feel that way. Um, and so, anyway, you guys gave your individual introductions already, but let's go back to the beginning, the actual inception. So. Whoever wants to go first, you guys can fight if you want to. It's it's fine with me. But when did we first get into art? So for you, Simon, illustrating, painting, and then Tom, I know you also illustrate and write. Yeah. Give me the artistic renaissance. What happened? Uh, well, I, I – oh, sorry, Tom. I went to uh, sort of art college um, and studied uh, – this was in the sort of mid-'80s – uh, technical illustration, which was, which was sort of just like drawing by hand, exploded engines and stuff. It was in the days before computer aided design and all that, so it's very much like a uh, a dinosaur kind of uh, uh, college course, really. But it was quite it was quite interesting in its way. And then, uh, and then after that, I did a, a course in graphic design. Uh, so. I think it, it was because but I sort of went down these two routes because my, I think it was my father wanted me to do some kind of art where it, it might be likely that I actually make some money or not make some money, but actually <laughs> make a living. And, uh, and he was, he was a painter as well. So he was, uh, so he was sort of talking from a bit of experience with that. And so then, so then I just, I just, um, joined a graphic design company and uh, and then eventually after a year or so went freelance illustration and all all the meantime I, I really did want to do comics so I was just building up a portfolio and stuff and showing it around and sort of in the early 90s eventually I showed it to the editor of 2000 AD and he gave me my first job and then then after that I mean, I look back at them now, and they're pretty ropey. Uh, so it's a miraculous that I got more mm. work. But sort of thirty years later, I've just had a an unbroken run of work from them, really. So, so it's pretty. So yeah, it's pretty pretty good. And then about twenty years ago, I sort of started seriously painting portraiture and stuff. So uh, I think it's because I sort of I love the narrative way that comics are, and I love telling the story. But I also quite wanted to to work on images that were sort of uh, had a little bit more longevity and weight to them and, and, uh, and, and single image really. I mean, I love, I love, I love drawing comics, but, but uh, you do, you're very aware that this is kind of a fleeting storytelling medium. So sometimes, you know, what you've done is, I wouldn't say lost, but you're sort of serving the story. So you're always sort of, Mm-hmm. it's you know hopefully speaking it it should be um completely um in tune with what you you know your what tom in my case in in thistlebone's case what tom's writing about so uh 
so yeah, I just wanted to do something a little bit more sort of um, big standalone images, really. So, uh, so yeah, but I can't, I can't give up either. It's like having a uh, two mistresses or something like that. Terrible, terrible analogy, <laughs> but and I, I love them both, and uh, I can't really sort of give either up. And they and they kind of feed into each other as well, which is which is a quite nice thing, really. Yeah, the mistresses know about each other. Exactly, you know, like, and they're perfectly fine about it. <laughs> yeah, they're into it. It's totally this fine. Terrible. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no worries. I mean, uh, I, this I, metaphor I, is I, bad. I in with getting you, so in a lot of trouble. Oh, good. But, good. Um, Tom, I'm going to go to you now, but for you and the audience, I muted you, Tom, so that we would not hear the echo. So this is what this is how we're going to work around this issue is basically uh when you're not talking we'll just have you be muted um and then when yeah. you uh are speaking i will just be simon and me will be quiet but you are the only one who can unmute yourself uh i cannot do that so i can i can silence oh, I see, you but okay. i can't bring you back <laughs> so yeah you will have to unmute yourself but apologies uh to you and the the listeners but tom go ahead and tell us about your side of the story after you unmute yourself I've I've unmuted. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, I started writing comics probably as a kid, mucking around. Um, I was reading two thousand AD when it first came out, so um, yeah, sort of grew up with that. Yeah, and I'd, I kind of vaguely remember writing sort of comicy things at school. Um, Mad comics as well was a big thing that I really loved. The sort of um, satirizing the parodies of um, American films that was quite good. Um, and then I've I've had a sort of quite a mixture of influences and in all kind of um, mediums as well because I, I I made a I made horror films at school for a while. Mm. <laughs> I was I got into trouble for making a vi a video nasty at school called uh, <laughs> Dead School, imaginatively, <laughs> uh, and it was because I was really fa I wanted to do uh, special makeup effects. So it was also it was like a gore film where I was like chopping people's fingers off and people were turning into zombies and yes. it was just an excuse for me to try out. Uh, and one of the one of the films involved me getting a full size mannequin, uh, filling the head with fake blood and throwing it off my roof, um, <laughs> which <laughs> got me into trouble because I didn't I didn't warn the neighbours I was doing this. Um, so yeah, I mean basically I kind of did. That's partly where the horror came in as well. Um, and then over time, I sort of did some professional comic writing there, sort of dropped out. Did, um, me, and, me and friends did some zines. And then I kind of moved on to try and do prose writing and tried my hand at lots of different stuff. Um, and actually sort of weirdly came into it from... I wrote two children's novels sort of um, late, in my late 30s. And, they, and that um, got me an agent and... But from there, I kind of suddenly decided, I was like, oh, I've got, now I've got the choice of what I can do. And I decided I wanted to go back into comics and because um, it's quite fast and quite, um, it's quite quick, quite uh, sort of exciting. And, you know, you can get your ideas going pretty quickly. And I quite like the collaboration as well. Um, and I do a bit of, I do a bit of um, illustration work and... Uh, you know, for for several years, I wanted to be a painter. <laughs> mm. I didn't. I I couldn't cut the mustard, but um, 
so so it's given me a little bit of an advantage in terms of I think if you're writing comics you you need to be able to be uh partly visual in your thinking um and that so that's kind of worked quite well with uh and certainly with Simon that's kind of seems to have worked quite well with our collaboration and yeah and that's that's sort of how I've um got to where I am fantastic well then let's talk about the um the bromance uh because you know you guys came together and you made a super sweet book so we've just talked about your individual journeys and now i want to know how simon and tom came together and said hey let's do awful things to people's bodies and let's do awful things to animals and let's make it somehow like really entertaining and beautiful. So again, Simon, Tom, who wants to go first? How did this 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 sick, twisted but delicious collaboration come to be? I th- I think um, if my recollection's correct, I think um, I, I sort of knew Tom sort of socially through a mutual friend, and uh, who's also a comic artist, and. Uh, and so we we sort of just I, I so we just sort of you know went to parties and stuff and conventions and met up there and seemed to get on. But we never I think I can remember the first time we ever talked about doing something together is because I think I knew from Tom's work that he was pretty interested in folk horror and I certainly certainly was. And I think we all we all went to a um, for a walk. Uh, a group of us into an old uh, ancient yew forest, which isn't far from where Tom is and and we and as we were all just wandering around and and kicking about you know we just literally just sort of said yeah we should do we should do a story about this and then you know something's probably set in a forest and I think we were talking about originally doing it in a in a ancient yew forest or something like that and then but uh and that obviously changed to uh a, a, a forest or wood of a different kind, but that's that's where I can remember us sort of talking first, talking about actually doing something, and then we, yeah, I, th- I just think, uh, and then I think we were, I think we were pretty, I think we were pretty realised that it was it was it actually should happen rather than just one of those things where you say, oh yeah, yeah, let's do that because you do that quite a lot at comic conventions. You talk to writers and artists and go oh, yeah let's do it let's work together and then you never hear anything but with with tom i just thought yeah i think this would definitely be a really good thing to do and i'd sort of i'd sort of worked on um quite a lot of stuff for 2080 over the years and uh some some of the characters and some of the stories i i sort of was quite a good fit for and uh but I, this was the first sort of time where i really thought about doing a story about something I'm really interested in. And Tom was Tom was very simpatico with with how I was thinking about that. So uh so yeah, I mean it, it was definitely something that I wanted to do. So uh and then Tom just got on with it and I'll I'll hand you over to Tom. Um yes. So uh yeah, I think the way I remember it is the it was one of those things that we were I decided we, uh, <laughs> I thought no, no. I thought it um, what, originally what happened was yeah we were sort of at conventions I think I, what I remember is there was one particular convention I think maybe Thought Bubble 
where we'd been sort of drinking and it was, and we were talking about um, just our mutual love of folk horror films. And we kept on sort of coming around to this idea of like, well, it's not really any... We like love those films, you know, like um, Witchfinder General and Wicker Man and Blood on Satan's Claw and, and also the sort of newer Kill List and all this, you know, this sort of stuff. And um, But we were like, there's not really any comics that, that that have done folk horror or we didn't at the time couldn't think of any um and so we were like oh yeah we should we should do that that'd be a good thing to do uh and then it kind of one of those things that we just sort of mentioned it a few times and then i think it was like this uh trip we went to to this um it's this ancient yew forest near where i live which is kind of amazing uh sort of nature reserve where the the trees just sort of fall have fallen down and it's all very gnarly and atmospheric and um, got quite a weird atmosphere about the place uh, and quite a weird history. And uh, that kind of gave us uh, mm. the, the kind of bit of a springboard to sort of go, oh, yeah, we should really, really do this and sort of move with it because it was also something that had not really appeared in um, 2000 AD. So we knew it was going to be a tough call. We, 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 we sort of thought, well, I mean, I certainly thought, I was like, didn't really think that uh, Matt, the editor, would go for it. But actually, um, he did, and, and there was a bit of to and fro uh, um, initially, just in deciding how to sort of um, frame the story. So it changed quite a, quite a lot initially, which was good because it kind of got me, you know, rethinking not only the genre but how to kind of maybe sort of um, how we could approach it sort of together. So in terms of like, um, you know, having Simon sort of these amazing painted uh, pages you know, and really trying to work that into the script so that, you know, um, as well as the story happening, you're getting these sort of amazing visuals uh, that really only work through his artwork, which is that, you know, that kind of uh, very na- naturalistic uh, painterly style, which is great. So, yeah, that's that's what how I remember it kind of coming together. Okay, so basically everything Simon said was a lie. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. you're, you're the true story. Uh, <laughs> yeah got it okay cool yeah um so i have two things now that i want to get into and one's going to be from simon's perspective and then the other is going to be from tom's perspective so um simon something that i'm curious about um in regards to collaboration again this this aspect's not going to um this has this doesn't have anything to do with Tom, but it will in a second. So you, like you said, you do a lot of paintings outside of comics. You just do a lot of portraits. And I was looking through your Instagram, and at first I was like, do I have the right guy? Because I had just hopped from Thistlebone to your Instagram page. And I was like, oh, I mean, like the same, like beautiful paintings, but it was just pictures of people. And so um, they're really good. And something I'm curious about, is you know you in my research i saw that you use friends um as the you know uh the models basically for the the characters in thistlebone and um i'm just curious like you know for when you're doing a a portrait someone's in one pose and they're chilling and then you're you know you you give them certain direction or whatever but when you're doing for a comic I'm just curious how that process worked where you have friends working as your models and you know that they're going to be doing different actions throughout the book. So how many like 
you know, poses are you putting them in? Are you feeding them the context of the story being like, yo, you just stabbed yourself in the eye (laughs) or like, uh, I would love to hear about that process. And then we'll hop over to Tom and I want to hear a little story that he has about that. Yeah. um, Yeah. So yeah, I use um, uh, a lot of friends in this, in in most of the stuff I do, but particularly in this one, because it's pretty character, led and uh so yeah what i what i sort of my process of working is i get the script sent to me by the editor obviously tom submitted it the editor checks it if it's fine make sure mm-hmm. it's all his spelling and the you know the all the grammars a bit better than what tom would <laughs> probably submit and then uh, <laughs> and then uh it gets sent over to me so i break it down into um little thumbnails just to, to to work out my pace out. And then I, it's probably a little bit of a superfluous um, uh, stage of it, uh, of of my comic work. But I also do the whole story in a, in a A4 watercolour version, just so I can work out tonally and colour-wise and stuff like that, what I'm going to do when I actually get to do the painting. So, so mm-hmm. it, at, at that stage... I've sort of drawn all the layouts of the character and stuff. So, and I, I get, I'll meet up with whatever friends um, who are doing the modelling for me, and I'll just we'll just take photographs of them in that pose. And uh, exactly like you said, you know, you've just poked your eye out. You're just about to hack somebody's head off. Look, you're naked, and, then, and you have a bunny's head. You know exactly, uh, exactly that. <laughs> so and uh, so and surprisingly, uh, everybody who is involved absolutely loved it. They really loved it. It makes no. It's interesting because it makes no sense to them as they're doing it because it's all completely out of context. Mm. And they're just trusting me that I'm not, you know, just not sort of being a fantasist and I'm making this stuff <laughs> and it is actually for something. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's really good. And it, and it helps me sort of in, in a number of ways. It's, it's a really fun way of keeping in touch with my friends as well. And it's also for character continuity and stuff. It's really, really useful. So, and you know, yeah. I've, I've always done it and it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty fun. It just makes the whole thing, more enjoyable for everybody concerned, I think. Yeah, no, I thought it was um, such a fun technique, and I was I was so happy to stumble across that information, and I just was like, oh, that's that is so fun, and I just was imagining, you know, working through the logistics of that, and it honestly made me mad at my friends because they're comic artists. I'm a writer, but they've never asked me <laughs> to do any poses, and I would love. To, to act out some of the things that I've written. So I'm a little yeah. off. That's that's something that I have to deal with. I don't want to put that on <laughs> you guys, but I just want you to know I was emotionally affected. But, Tom, uh, you have a great story about this because even though Simon does do this all the time, it wasn't necessarily something that you knew about. So please recount uh, uh, yeah. your how you found out about this. Well, <laughs> yeah, there was the... Um, because when we were doing Thistleborn, so initially, you know, I'm writing the script and the characters are just uh, quite abstract to begin with. And then I start to see, and then Simon sends me the pages. And then, so then I begin to, that becomes the character, how he's done them. That's then how I start thinking of them and speaking and um, 
and and so the weird one was uh i think it was someone's birthday party and uh, and Avril walked in, who's the main character. <laughs> and it really freaked me out because I just thought of her as this character that he'd been, he'd been doing. I'd completely forgotten that mm-hmm. it was based on a real person. So I was like chatting away to this girl, like really staring at her and sort of going, you're Avril, this is really weird. And um, and she sort of had the mannerisms as well. She It was really kind of a spot on um, person to have chosen. Uh, so it's quite weird. I, I, a lot of these things have like uh, have happened before. Though, We've, if you go out drinking with Simon, uh, especially to his local pub, you you have this surreal moment because you're looking around, going, "I know that guy from somewhere," and then you remember that you've <laughs> yeah. it's one of the comics he did like three years ago or something. You're like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> there's all these fictional people wandering around in the real world. So uh, yeah, it's quite it's fun. And then we also we've got. Um, I mean, I think I was I was a background character, but our friend uh, Boo, um, who I work with as well, and Simon does music with, he uh, he he became the policeman, and so that's sort of given me power mm. where I I could like if I wanted to I could really, you know, ruin Boo's life and make the policeman do terrible things, <laughs> but I'm just keeping hold of that power for the moment and keeping that that card in my back pocket. <laughs> He got off light. He got off lightly, didn't he? He did get off lightly, yeah. But you know, <laughs> there's a whole sort of separate uh, mini series waiting to happen. <laughs> um. So what I'm hearing is that depending on how the rest of this conversation goes, I may turn out to be a, a masochist in the future. Uh, I might see <laughs> myself doing awful exactly. things. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I will, exactly. I will be on my best behavior. Tom's like, don't you dare mute me again or I will freaking have you kill an entire yeah. village. <laughs> yeah. Um, something else that I'm curious about, just diving into the weeds of, of how you guys made this, um, looking through... Uh, the interviews and stuff, Simon, I found a uh, an interview where you were talking about um, Judge Dredd being a series that uh, you've, you you enjoyed doing but found it challenging because, uh, and specifically you said that the, the suit, you realized, wouldn't work in real life. It wasn't this tangible thing, and you were more of a, a literal painter. You liked mm. the actual reality of things, and so... Um, as soon as you said that, I found that quite interesting because um, in Thistlebone, which is a very uh, realistic story uh, in terms of like it's very tangible, but at the same time, there are these crazy surreal images. And so, mm. you know, comparing those two sentences, I was curious how, you know, you having that mindset, how you approach then some of these larger than life and or um otherworldly things uh like the 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 great big silhouettes of of animals in the forest and in the weird occult imagery did that was that stuff a challenge at all or were you able to to do it quite easily well i mean to go back to what you're saying about what i said about uh judge dread it, it i mean i did really enjoy the sort of stuff i was doing but i don't you know and I mean, it's, it seems a bit odd saying, you know, like that suit would just not work on a person and that's fine. But, you know, in the, uh, and in the same way, sort of like Batman's cape sometimes and you see, you see that, you know, you can't walk around with a cape that big and stuff. Yeah. You know? And and I think what I was trying to say was I don't have that sort of, uh, I don't have that sort of natural uh, talent for comic 
dynamism. I, ha- I have to sort of try and root it in some kind of reality so people look sort of real and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I've always sort of kind of struggled with the science fiction sort of uh, heroic element. I mean, there's there's artists who work on Dread that are just so brilliant and they just make it work. And I, I just, I had a sort of a too much of a realistic approach to it and it just looked like there was somebody clumping around in a really ungainly suit so <laughs> so so doing something like thistlebone was uh fantastic and I, I remember we're talking about the the giant animals and stuff i remember talking to tom because we kind of had a i think as we were sort of firming up the the idea a bit more we sort of just thinking to ourselves you know what what kind of things you you thinking of? And I, for some reason, I really liked the fact that, like, sort of the idea of playing with scale of animals. So as soon as the, it became night in the wood, these massive, great spectral hares and deer were running around the forest, and they, and mm. I did, I didn't quite know what that meant. I just kind of liked the idea of, of of drawing a great big hare or something, you know. So. Um, Mm-hmm. So yeah, so and and I didn't re- I didn't particularly find that difficult to draw or anything because it's literally just playing around with scale. So you can you can draw a um, you know a hair and everything in a no- just normally, and then the the way you, it'll change is the fact that you just draw a very small human figure with it, and then suddenly mm. it's what you think is a normal hair has just become a massive giant. And and Tom was great with. With uh, sort of in, indulging me in in a thing because they were sort of they're sort of like uh, uh, hallucinatory sort of spectral beings, so you don't quite know whether they're actually real or not. It's just in the mind of the young Avril, really. So, uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing that. So it's, that was uh, so Tom did me a favour there. Yeah, it was. It was a really cool um, aspect of the of the book. I really liked it. Very beautiful, but then also very haunting. Um, and too, just playing into the the folk horror genre, it's like animals are just such a big part of that. Like their mm. their bones, their their fur, their their the the mysticism of their their relation to the forest. And so, um, yeah, th- those panels truly were haunting. I thought that was such a great idea so i'm not wearing a hat but if i was i would you know take it off uh, and and tipping it to both of you um and another uh hat tipping off that i would like to do is to you tom uh because with comics as you guys have said before in other interviews one of the things that is a challenge to do is um is the lack of sound you know horror movies have the benefit of being able to have a really sweet goblin score or having the the twigs cracking or the creepy ethereal voice and you don't really you can have obviously the sfx sounds in a comic but that's kind of it and so something that i thought was super cool um about your book was um how you incorporated speaking in tongues uh, which is a very audible thing, and and you know again it relates great to to full core, but it's also just a very visceral thing that a lot of people have. I mean, less have a relation to it than you know the majority, but I mean I have a background with you know 
um, you know, uh, Bapt, uh, Baptist, uh, really? Christian yeah. Baptist and that sort of thing. And so mm. that's very much was a part of my world for a long time. And so anyway, I would just love to hear about how you approached incorporating that into the story, because I think you did it in a really cool, creative way. And to plug the the second volume of Thistlebone, uh, I read that you actually inserted some little, even more cryptic messages and sort of things. Um, yeah. So yeah, and the second one uh, did sort of uh, give a bit more, go into a bit more detail. But in the first one, it was it was yeah, to try and use something because yeah, ultimately you you don't have the the soundtrack of horror films, so you have to somehow kind of. Um, upset the reader in a way that is, uh, you know, slightly different tricks. So a, a large part of that, I would say, is um, I think why it works is with Simon's artwork, it's very atmospheric artwork, which actually quite a lot of comics isn't. Comics is often very graphic, so but actually having the painterly style worked really well because almost, it's almost like gives it a certain musical or sound effect feel to it, or soundtrack feel to it, I should say. And... Um, but then using the um, the sort of speaking in tongues idea was a good way to kind of have this sort of... Uh, it, it at least works on the page a bit more where you people are dissolving into this kind of um, uh, garble and kind of with weird uh, messages coming out of it. And again, it's, it becomes obvious that you you cannot tell whether what, what what's on the page is real or is purely from the point of view of the um the main character avril which i like i really love that um the unreliable narrator sort of side of things and especially it kind of that that went back into the kind of this sort of folk horror thing of um a kind of weird belief system but also this very ambiguous kind of relationship with um well in this in this particular instance it's it's with a sort of a cult belief system but it, that also kind of extends to the to the the woods and the land um where they're experiencing all this and the actually just i'm going back briefly to what you're saying with um with what simon was saying about the uh the animals is that like we really mm-hmm. love folk horror but there's actually quite a lot of folk horror films that don't have like they have the landscape but they don't have the animals and you know that was great having that in in um in both series it kind of adds a whole element that um it helped me sort of clarify sort of story ideas by using these sort of archetypes of animals so you know like the hare the fox the stag and they're the sort of these three kind of archetypes that i i I could use as a writer to kind of guide me through the story so yeah these this kind of mixture of things came together um and the with the um, the speaking in tongues, the way I did it, it was um, almost like a William Burroughs cut-up. It was, it was by taking the first couple of letters from um, any sort of page in a book and then, um, mm-hmm. and then just running it all together. And you get essentially it's almost like a pseudo-language. So it kind of sounds... Because if you try and write gibberish, it sounds like you've written... <laughs> you've tried to write gibberish. It sounds yeah, like yeah. fake. <laughs> but if you do it... That, but if you do it this way, it kind of has a quite a nice um, natural feel. Like it's, there are almost, almost words there, and sometimes there are words there. So it's got a nice, just on the edge of um, um, kind of perception. Or oh, that was that was the idea. 
so yeah, that's how that came about. And then in the in the second uh, second series, we kind of explore that a bit more. And yeah, I put a few Easter eggs in there in terms of um, the the origins of um, where some of the phrases have come from. But we'll see if anyone picks them up. Mm. That's awesome. Um, well, thank yeah, thanks for diving into that. And I do think that is a a good um, like suggestion basically to writers like even as soon as you said that i was like oh cool like i have wanted to to write gibberish and i haven't known how to do it so stealing that thank you (laughs) um and yeah it works super well very unnerving very strange and yeah the what you said the idea of like there's almost a word there i think that's pretty that's pretty tasty so again bless you 10 points to you tom cheers Um, thank you so Guys, we've we've established like Simon's painting beautiful stuff, Tom's cooking up tasty, delicious plots, but both of those things cannot uh, exist by themselves. Otherwise, it's not a comic. And so, something I am curious about is and it's something that we talk on the show a lot about because my co-host is a illustrator and I'm a writer, and so we work together, we make comics together, and you perfectly you said it perfectly simon there's those people that you meet and you're like hey man we got to do something together oh yeah high five you know and you give a (laughs) you give your card or something then you leave and you're like i hate that person or not really you you go like "Eh, it's probably not gonna happen and so in this case lots of people you know have a beer take a walk and they're like oh you know what we should do this but you guys actually did the dang thing and it took a lot of work. And so first off, just congratulations, because making something in this day and age is hard enough, and then especially doing it amidst COVID and all that stuff. So it's very impressive just that you guys have put out really quality work. So congratulations on it coming out. But what I want to hear about, you're like, where's the question? He's just sucking up. Here's the question. (laughs) Um, I want to know about your guys' collaboration process. Um, I want to know, like, how do you guys work together? How do you work through conflict? Like, you know, how do you share ideas? I just want to hear about how you guys were able to make something and finish something. Whereas I'm sure there was other things that were started and then it never came to the end. I think it really takes a good teamwork to be able to actually make something. So I'd love to hear about your guys's dynamic with each other and how you actually got this book finished. Um, well, I think, well, I, I think probably what does help us a lot is um, the editor of 2000 AD, Matt Smith. He's a very good editor. He's the perfect editor for a for for us, I think, because he's he's pretty hands off. We don't really hear much from him. I mean, I hear sort of stories of uh, you know, sort of other publishers. You have to produce pencils and stuff like that and get those checked off with with the editor and stuff, there's none of that. You just literally just, once he's, he's okay, the script and everything. So Tom, Tom sends in a, a basic synopsis to start with. And then, and then Matt wants him to sort of flesh it out into episodes. And I mean, I'm not absolutely sure, but I imagine this is what happens. And so he, he asks him to, to sort of flesh out what's going to happen in each episode. And then, uh, and then Tom's Tom gets on and, and does it really. And, you know, I don't. I don't speak to the editor until I tell him 
that I'm going to be delivering the pages and that and that is quite uh, a really lovely sort of relationship really I kind of I'm my brain has been quite scrambled like probably everybody's with the pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the second book, I, I, I think we'd, we'd finished the, the first one and I think Matt said, yeah, let's do a second one before the, the first one had, had finished its run. So, and meanwhile, I'd finished doing the first one and I, I had a lot of painting commissions and portraiture and stuff like that to do. So Tom wrote the whole of the second book and then I had, and then we had to wait a year before I had uh, space to do it again. So in that time, I think uh, I'd had the, I had the script for a, a year and read it and everything. So kind of that kind of helped formulate what I was going to do. But that was quite unusual. I think everybody's working sort of process during the pandemic had had changed dramatically and uh, that was mine I just sort of had a year of not doing any comics at all so and Tom was being very patient waiting for it but once I got going on that we um I think we did the same thing I, I just did a, a some pages and as I did the pages I photographed them and sent them over to Tom and said this is what I'm doing and stuff and I don't I don't I don't think I think just Tom's naturally very polite. I don't think he would ever say to me, "Oh Jesus, look at that! What on earth are you doing with that character?" But I think it, you know, I think it. Tom's scripts are very descriptive about what he wants going on in them. So, uh, so yeah, I think we, I think we just kind of rather than speaking to each other a lot about it, I think we just got to understand exactly what. That each one of us was wanting, so uh, yeah, it worked quite well. Really, it's quite a good, good working relationship. So, anyway, Tom, mm. please, yes, um, yeah, Tell us, that, Tom. It, it's funny because yeah. it's um, our, our sort of process is probably, I mean, uh, yeah, we, you know, we wouldn't um, sort of get in touch much whilst it was happening, but I think um, probably having that common shared interest in folk horror and really knowing where we wanted to go with it right from the beginning I think kind of helped because it was sort of I I knew you know it was also I knew exactly what Simon um there were some things he wanted in there and and some things he didn't I think I think you said no buildings or or you said no cars oh, yeah. that was it and I, I did put a car in the second one but very briefly and I knew you were gonna hate me for it <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> but you were too far in then. It was at the end, so uh, yeah. No, so 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 it's pretty much. But a lot of that comes weirdly, I think, from the two thousand AD um, process, which is quite interesting because it's um, because because it's a weekly comic, a uh, weekly anthology comic comic, you, and it's very short episode, episodes, so five pages. So you have to have this very sort of episodic um, way of writing stories and um, writing scripts and then also uh, drawing them. And it kind of, um, it does help with really honing stuff down in terms of, you know, brevity and, you know, what's the, the sort of the least you can get away with, with, you know, but giving the most from it at the same time. Um, and that I kind of felt like we kind of 
sort of hit our mark with uh, Thistlebone. I, I felt I did with the writing. Um, in other, compared to other strips I've done where I'd, you know, not quite got it, and this this felt it just sort of um, landed landed nicely. Yeah, I, I think the the thing with two thousand, which which Tom uh, Tom alluded to, is you have your five pages, and you've and you've you've got to make that five pages interesting to read in itself and move the story along and that's quite a quite a skilled sort of sort of uh writing technique to have really and i think tom really did that because you've got to got to kind of think there might be people picking up an issue of that and that and they, they might be sort of halfway through the run and go god what on earth is going on here so there's 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 a degree of you can just drop in and yeah, this could this is interesting. I'll try and find the other the previous ones rather than, rather than completely alienating a new reader. So uh, so yeah, I mean Tom Tom did a great job on that. And uh, I guess the other thing with that was the um, that yeah that we then also have to have it as working as a sort of you know a graphic novel or a full story as well. So you do this kind of uh, very short mm-hmm. segmented. Uh, storytelling but then also try and you know make sure that it's going to flow nicely um and yeah i just sort of think and and then you know that's a lot of that was um what i noticed as well was like the the rhythm of the artwork a a big part of it was i think me and simon discussed it probably before you know these sort of um splash panels or splash pages stuff that he wanted to do and then or stuff that just felt natural to the script and that really kind of worked in terms of giving it the kind of rhythm it needed because the sort of folk horror has to be kind of slow um and creeping and mm-hmm. it, it, that seemed to work um so yeah that's that's kind of how how it happened nice well um i was wanting you guys to um affirm each other more you know i was really trying to like get you guys just to compliment each other and you both didn't do it so i guess you know i guess you guys don't actually like each other so sorry for trying to uh, no uh, <laughs> that it, you know that is a good point just to go to the quick um talking about the writing that is very impressive uh because you just saying that stressed me out i was like ugh, i wouldn't want to write that way i would not like that um and so when I was reading it, I didn't feel like, man, this thing is obviously being written five pages at a time. Like, yeah, so yeah. little, little golf claps for you. Yeah. You, I mean, if, if you're not, if you're not careful, it could just be like a roller coaster ride and just go, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really hard to read then. But I, I mean, a lot of it, I, you know, it's just learning from other people that the other writers from 2000 AD, um, and um, so there's one writer that did a horror called Cradle Grave, which I highly recommend. Um, John Smith wrote it, and uh, but amazing horror, and uh, but kind of this urban, uh, urban horror, and yeah, he he sort of did it with that, and I, um, yeah, I sort of looked towards stuff like that, and uh, the kind of odd odd outlying um, uh, stories in 2000 AD, so sort of more of the kind of horror and. Uh, eclectic ones but yeah very cool um and so on that note of basically you know uh me saying 
hey, this thing sounds like it was super hard and you being like, eh, I was just, you know, I was able to do it because there's other amazing people who did it. I am curious then for both of you, uh, we, we can start with you, Simon, and then we can go to Tom. I want to know what was the hardest aspect of getting this thing made? Um, what was the most challenging aspect for you? We'll start again. We'll start with you, Simon, and then we can end with Tom. Uh, I think... I think the hardest thing was not anything to do with particularly the story or it's just trying to maintain because I really wanted to to do a a good jo- you know a good job and and uh I just wanted to maintain sort of a quality throughout the whole story not that I I don't try and do that with other stuff but <laughs> this one partic- this one particular I really care about this story so uh so I and because it was quite a long story, I think it was about sort of ten parts or something like that. Tom, was it ten or twelve? So now and also because you're working on something that's uh, that long, you'll start off. You know, I was working on it sort of chronologically, so episode one, two, three, etc. And you kind of get into your groove by about episode three. And it suddenly becomes easy. And and I think I had to just try and work out a way of not suddenly at episode three, everybody going, God, he's, he, you know, this seems <laughs> to be up. finding its groove. And then, and then look back at the first two episodes and go, God, that's super tight yeah. or whatever, you know. So it's just kind of trying to maintain a consistency through it. So, you know, so, but, and, and I think that's probably what, when I was saying before about doing these roughs and these, do the whole a watercolor version of the whole comic before that kind of loosens me up a bit and and uh, and sort of just makes me understand what I'm doing and you know because there's episodes which sort of take place at night or in the forest or something so the palette mm-hmm. and the tone will be different so it really helps to know that I know that that's coming so that the episodes before that I can I can sort of make them quite contrasty or whatever so. But anyway, but I, th- I think I, uh, yeah, I probably think I probably did put a lot of effort into this because I do, I do really sort of care about it. So I do absolutely love the folk horror genre. So uh, I just wanted to do a good job, and hopefully, me and Tom will be part a part of that little subgenre of folk horror comics. Now. So be good. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think you guys are on the. <laughs> definitely think you guys are in the um, in the club now. You've cemented yourselves as staples. So, and I am not an authority, but we're just gonna say gavel sound. It's it's true. Tom, what was the hardest part <laughs> for you? Um, for me, it was probably earlier on with the uh, the need. It's always the original pitch. Uh, is the kind of hard part with with the writers I think for AD because it's um, uh, it changed quite a lot and then the I did maybe four four maybe five different pitches of this folk horror idea so Matt the editor really liked the idea of a folk horror but I, uh, the um, I think the first few he just he didn't think he I uh, there was one that was set in the forest that he sort of thought was too similar to um, I forget the name of it. There's a there's a film with a, um, the a sort of a group of lads in the in 
the ritual. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I, mm. I uh, I hadn't I didn't really know that then. I you know watched it subs- subsequently, and there's a good book as well um, that originally came from. So I had you know um, kept changing things. That's quite difficult initially, especially as a writer you, when you because you've got to think of the whole thing. Then you pitch it, and then someone says no, like forget all that. You rethink it. <laughs> and that, going through that a few times is pretty difficult but it's also if you can get through that is incredibly can be incredibly rewarding i think this that sort of happened with this particular project because it was sort of just rethinking and rethinking and rethinking but as that was happening i was still kind of maybe um honing some of the uh the key elements that that i kept um and it actually maybe worked better and sort of having this kind of you know, it ended up being a story where you're really looking at the past, at the all the stuff that happened in the past, and and then its effect in the present, and um, so it's got a few different layers that kind of work in terms of like the, especially the the time uh, scales being sort of separate in the story, gives it maybe you know something slightly different from other folk horrors. Um, and so that yeah, and I, I then once we started, I think possibly because, I mean, I thought ah oh, this could really fall flat on its face in two thousand AD because it's not there's not you know they had no kind of folk horror like that, and I actually thought oh this could be <laughs> this could be a disaster so we might as well go out in a blaze of glory <laughs> and just do exactly what you know exactly what we wanted to do and um and and it worked that was that's probably like a good. Uh, a good example where you you just sort of think right well fuck it just go for it and um at least at least we know we've sort of done our best and we've we've kept our sort of pledge to you know our vision um and so it's nice when that when when it works as well when it connects with people the again in terms of people connecting with your guys's work this leads me to my uh well actually I will I'll have one more question after this. So my my almost final question is you know, let's not just focus on the negative. Let's get to the positive. What has been the most rewarding part or the most fun or most satisfying or the best feedback that you've got in terms of of Thistleblown? Cuz again, I think that's something that I'm bad at as an artist, which is I just focus on what I'm making and what's going wrong with it. And then as soon as I finish it, I'm like, sweet, I'm done next thing. And I don't take enough time to just sit in the like, Oh wow. Like I made something and it's done mm-hmm. and hopefully yeah. I'm happy with it. And even like accepting praise, you know, when people are like, Hey, that was really good. It's like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I'm bad at that. I'm not trying to project onto you guys. I'm just saying I'm bad at that. So I don't want to, you know, end in terms of like, what was really hard about this? It's like, no, it's done. It came out. People like it. So let's end with some celebration. Simon, what was like? What was one of the coolest affirmations or just things throughout this this whole process? Well, I I think what it it was is is our is our original intention. Tom and I is wanting to do something in this in this genre that we both love and. Uh, and we wanted to keep. We wanted to keep it with two thousand E. Two thousand E is an amazing comic because it certainly for me. It mean I've been able to sort of for thirty years be able to do fully painted comic strips. That's all I've ever done for them, and I, w- I wouldn't be able to do that anywhere else. And 
And so I wanted to do it for 2000 AD. And it originally did start off as a, a sci-fi and horror anthology. And I think it's become more sci-fi heavy. So I think Matt, the editor, was quite keen to get it a little bit more mix of horror in it. And uh, I, ju- I just thought, you know, I... And I remember thinking at the time while I was doing it, you know, I think I think I'm, you know, I'm doing this horror, folk horror story, really loving it. I'm painting, which is great, you know, I'm re- really enjoying that. And uh, and then when it came out, and uh, and everybody seemed to really really like it. And the the main the main thing that I found very gratifying about it, the whole thing was it did cross over to people who don't read comics. So there's quite a big mm. sort of uh, interest in folk. And, you know, they, it did all start with a uh, website called Folk Horror Revival. So, And there's a lot of people on that website who picked up this this book when it was collected and really loved it. And it, and it's it's I think it's that what, every, what secretly every comic artist or comic writer they want something to move over from the rarefied comic atmosphere into something else and to, and just to reach an, another audience who really like it mm-hmm. so i'm not used to doing things that people like so yeah so it was great and you know and the barometer of it is is my wife read it and she <laughs> never reads anything i ever do I was going to say exactly the same thing. That's, so that's uh, probably the biggest success I've ever had. Yeah, exactly the same thing happened with me. With uh, I knew when my wife read it that we'd, we'd achieved full crossover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. I just found lots of people reading it who wouldn't, who definitely wouldn't normally read comics and would really sort of gloss over um, the whole uh, the whole medium. So that that was really nice. And then I think probably the best thing. I got was um, when I was doing a signing in a, a comic shop um, and some guy was chatting away to... It was me and a different artist um, and it was just to celebrate 2000 AD and um, he didn't know he didn't know who I was and he was sort of talking about 2000 AD and he was like, ah, I'm not... I'm not There's not been much I've really enjoyed in it for ages but I, I read this thing called Thistlebone recently and it's brilliant. <laughs> and that was... <laughs> That was the best. That is the best uh, compliment you can ever get because it's completely sort of unguarded, and um, yeah, that was that's really satisfying because you you never really like you say you kind of your brain's always off to the next thing, and sometimes when people are telling you they like it, you sort of I I don't know I don't know what it is, but there's a part of you that you know doesn't quite accept that <laughs> you're sort of always thinking yeah. about. You always think about things that you could do differently, or you think about the next project. Or, um, but this has been really nice for something that sort of genuinely seems to have connected with lots of people. And yeah, no, I just occasionally hear back from folk that have read it, and um, also that are freaked out as well. That's that's nice when someone's genuinely <laughs> disturbed by something. <laughs> uh, oh, it's the best. Yeah, it really is. You sort of you've got in there. That's that's great. <laughs> gouged into their brain yeah <laughs> sticking uh with you tom my my last official question and then i have a uh a nerdy question for simon um 
what advice would you give uh, to people who want to do what you do? So you can answer from the the writing side, and also the, I know you do art as well. But mm. um, you know, for people who want to get into to this medium, to the, this career, do you have any advice? And then would obviously love to hear Simon's take too. Um. Yeah. Oh, it's tricky because it's a tricky medium. I, do, I genuinely think that you know co- that like anything, people tend to focus on the the big successes and not really you know take into mind that the the sort of daily work that it takes to get to that. Um, and 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 you know, as an industry, um, you, you know, you have to learn to kind of sort of work. It's a sort of weird thing. I think you have to learn to work within some sort of structure. So it's sort of st- somewhere between being totally free with what you want to do as, as a, a creator and then also sort of meeting uh, some criteria that, you know, in our case, it's 2000 AD. In America, you know, it's like, um, uh, you know, whatever comic uh, company you go with, everyone's got their kind of what their audience is, um, what they want to do. And it's kind of a sweet point somewhere between like, you know, following those traditions but also trying to make something new and exciting um and that i feel that's true of both writing and both art you need to kind of like um you know power on power on through the kind of stuff that people want to see because people you know kind of people know like that people like something that's sort of familiar but also isn't (laughs) it's really frustrating Mm -hmm. because if you do something that's totally (laughs) left field you know it just won't it won't um, connect, you know, until maybe years and years later, <laughs> um, and that that tends to be the way with lots of, lots of stuff I like, and lots of especially like science fiction and um, horror. It's all kind of weird stuff that at the time didn't you know didn't really succeed. Um, so, yeah, I think you know just and follow kind of your always follow your passions best foot forward kind of you know don't hold back that's the only thing that I've noticed with a lot of people who um want to do stuff and want to be, you know either uh draw comics or write comics they can sometimes sort of hold back the the good ideas and the good stuff um and it's a funny habit it's like you know it's like that person with that giant epic in their head and it's like well, okay you just need to focus on do do like five page story and put everything you can into it that's probably more important than, than, you know, uh, plotting out some great epic. Um, and yeah, and that's, you know, and by doing that, you, you end up learning the more you do and the more you finish a project as well, which is a big thing. I, I, I love that. If you, if you start something, try and always finish it. And then even if it's bad, you've done it, you know, that's, that's, uh, you'll get better. You'll learn to get better. So, um, Yeah. Those are some of some of my bits of advice as as much as they are. But um, yeah, I mean, I I I came to it late. You know, I I sort of I I was trying stuff for years and it didn't work. So uh, the other thing is, you know, keep going and um, and sort of yeah, believe in yourself. Oh, that's terrible, that doesn't it? But it's true. You've got to kind of like really. You got you. You do have to have that sort of faith in like. Um, what you're doing and if it's you know if you've got a passion then that's that's worth following yeah well 
I'm I'm disappointed that the answer wasn't um uh sacrificing something to Thistlebone. I thought that's what it was going to be. It was yeah. just like, listen, man. Oh yeah, no, uh, there totally is that as well. <laughs> I, I I I gave an orphan to a god. I mean, that's how I got this. Um, so, which sounds much easier than anything you said. So I might just try that. Um, to be honest, uh, no. I did. I, I'm just going to quickly. I'm just going to quick quickly add that I did. Uh, I did do some sigils early on and some um, some weird rituals, <laughs> especially in the woods. Blood, I did some, bloodletting. Uh, yeah, there wasn't so much blood, but there was you know ritual. There was ritual. Anyway, that's it. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> there was ritual. I love it. That is that is my head cannon now. Uh, Simon, what about you? Uh, what do you have to add on to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I think back to when I I first started it, uh, it was sort of early 90s and there's a lot of painters and I always knew I wanted to paint and this was pretty much on the back of Simon Bisley and uh, Glenn Fabry and, and people like that and there was a lot of a lot of painters who were good and a lot of painters who were who were bad and it, it was and I just sort of stuck with it and I've sort of been doing it for such a long time now I think I think there's only about two or three people who still paint for 2000 AD and I think it's just mm. hanging on in there and and uh just always trying to sort of learn you do one job and it's and it's never and I can remember doing jobs and I think yeah that's that's you know and I look back at them now and I think uh god that's pretty ropey but at the time that was the the best that's what I knew how to do so Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's just constantly evolving as an artist and constantly trying to get better and uh and also also a thing that I also thought when I first started was what I lack in and this goes back to my sort of uh attempts at drawing dread and stuff and and realizing I wasn't a natural born comic artist so what I lacked in uh that ability I sort of made up in for by being reliable and being on time and just working out a way of producing comics and working on long stories that 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 was feasible you know you you could you know you can be an amazing artist but if you spend months on one page you're just not going to get any work so you just got to find a way of 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 just of of doing good work, but at a at a speed that will make you have a career and get better, because you know there's lots of really good artists who've done some amazing stuff, and it's obviously sent them into some kind of breakdown, and you just don't hear them them again because it's just mm-hmm. it's just taken so long and taken so much out of them. So my suggestion is just, well, like me, just become a hack. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. that's what the show's all about. So yeah, I it works it. for me. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I do think that that's good advice. I mean, it is something we we talk on the show a lot about. Is like, you know, it's not. I mean, quality is good, but at the same time, it's like you have to learn. And again, finishing is important. And so you learn a lot by making mistakes and putting out stuff. And so, yeah, if you have a couple 
mediocre books, that's better than being like, no, no, it's not ready to where you get to, you know, you're 80s year old, you're wandering through a forest, you're seeing giant animals and you're like, oops, it's yeah, this yeah. is the end of the line for me. Um, my nerdy question for you, Simon, which I love this because I feel like you just brought it up so dismissively in a past, in a different interview is where you were like, oh yeah, I designed the, um, the Oscar Isaac's tattoo in Annihilation. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I love Annihilation. I love the book and I love the movie. And I was like, man, if I designed the tattoo for someone in that movie, I would wear a shirt. It says, please ask me about how I designed. And I know you're like, Kyle, shut up. Like, I'm an artist. It's my job. It's what I do. I just love Annihilation so much that yeah, I just yeah, found, I was quite so. tickled by that. How did that, how did that come to be, that well, opportunity? Like, lots of things. I have, a, I've got a friend who, she works in films and she works on all of Alex Garland's films. So, uh, mm. I think they'd, I think they'd, I don't know whether they'd been in a production meeting one morning and, and uh, Alex had said to her, or or was was or no maybe maybe Oscar Isaac said uh, the character needs a tattoo, and because uh, the bear is a recurring sort of motif through that, a bear mm-hmm. tattoo would be uh, would be the thing. So, and they were just like, oh god, how are we going to get that done quick? And so my friend said, oh yeah, well, I've got got. Uh, a friend, uh, a friend of mine. He works for 2000 AD, and uh, she she told Alex, and Alex is a massive 2000 fan, and he knew oh, cool. my, knew of my work, so so he said, yeah, it's fine, great. So I did that, and it was literally taking took a day to do so, and uh, <laughs> and then so yeah, it's good. I got to go visit the set and sit in a little tent with Alex on a monitor and stuff, watching Natalie Portman. It was nice. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm so jealous right now. I have so much resentment in my heart. I didn't get any of that. I'm trying to smile. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tom. Well, someday you and me are going to go to a movie set and we're going to make a tattoo. I'm going to invite you and Simon's not getting invited (laughs) because... I'm still the director's I'm still like, who's this that? guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take he can't draw. He's a podcaster. <laughs> I don't know why he's here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. I, I'm glad that uh, you got that opportunity. That's super yeah, cool. Fun. And now it'll be fun to to watch the film and be like, huh, I talked to the guy who designed that. Um, I'm actually uh, we're doing a short film, uh, a short horror film at work. And uh, for the sound design, I wanted it to be like that bear scene. And oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. our mixer had, had not seen the movie before. So I just got the Blu-ray and I'm going to uh, give it to him tomorrow and be like, this is what I want. <laughs> it's both a brilliant, so, brilliant movie and a brilliant book as well. I love the book. Have you read, uh, just to be nerdy on this note since we're here, I have not read the other two in the Southern Reach trilogy. I've only read the first one. Are they are they tasty? Are they yeah, worth it? Do the, you know? The second one's really good as well. And the third one, and someone else I knew who did this as well, didn't it didn't quite work because obviously they've, you know, he's he's got to kind of bring it together. And it's it, it kind of works best and it's kind of um, free-floating ambiguity uh and weirdness mm. and and so maybe uh, yeah but the second one i really enjoyed as well sort of um that i would recommend that 
I'll trust you. All right. Well, friends, uh, we have arrived at the end of the interview. Thank you so much again for for navigating the horrors of, you know, broadband connection, microphone. Like, you guys have been troopers. I appreciate it. No, it's um, great. Cheers, Kyle. Very so, much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Really so fun. before we end, it is it is time for the most fun or the most horror, some would say, which is the rapid fire. So this is how it's going to work. I'm going to ask you guys some quick questions. You just do whatever comes into your brain first. Um, some will be for the first three will be for both of you. And then we'll go. Hey, we have some individual questions. So first question this is for both of you in a physical brawl to the death. Polar bear versus grizzly bear. Who wins? Oh, polar. Polar, yeah. Thank you. Some people do not understand this. They're wrong. It's polar bear. Good job. Ten points to both of you. What religion can someone learn by jumping over a bonfire? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, any religion? I don't don't, know. Is this a trick question? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say... No, I was just being stupid. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. A little more creative question. How did Satan get blood on his claw? Because <laughs> he didn't wash his hands properly like we all yeah. should nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's pre-pandemic. Man, yeah. Satan's like, listen, I'm always going to be evil, especially <laughs> during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this, this one is for you, Simon. Uh, Sidney Paget or Walter Laneley? Uh, Walter Langley for me. Sydney Paget's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but Walter Langley for me. Okay. Tom, Princess Mononoke or my neighbor Totoro? Oh, Princess Mononoke. Straight in like that. Correct answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon, how often do you turn your easel into a table? Not very often. I think I should do it more. I think I've done it once. Okay, and that was the one time I saw on Instagram. So there we yeah. go. Uh, <laughs> um, Tom, if in doubt, is a giant cardboard likeness of your friend a good birthday present? <laughs> it is an excellent birthday present, especially if they're really drunk and uh, lose it somewhere <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Simon, is there anything else as pleasing as wrapping stuff? Uh, uh, unwrapping stuff, I think, is pretty good. <laughs> Acceptable. Yeah. Tom, is your pod breeding license up to date? <laughs> no, I do all my pod breeding illegally, as any good pod breeder should. Anyone that's well, any pod breeder that worth busted. their salt. This was a undercover ah, investigation, and guys. I got your ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon, are we still down to meet tomorrow at the Fleece in Brentfordton? Yeah, we're up for it. I'll see you there at midday. I'll pull okay, you apart. Cool. Two pints of pigs here. <laughs> My man, I appreciate you. Um, Tom. Your research is good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Tom, if a hard as nails geisha bets that her flower tattoo is so amazing that bees will choose it over a real flower, should I take that bet? You should. That is a that's a geisha to watch out for. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's going to be the title of my memoir. This is, this is um, impressive uh, research, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, this one's less impressive. Uh, Simon, if the Royal Birmingham Society of Artists and the Royal Society of Portrait Painters got into a fight, which group would win? I think we're all uh, we're all a bunch of southern softies here. Hard as nails <laughs> in the Midlands. It's where Black Sabbath comes from. They'd they'd be able to conjure up all kinds of demons. So yeah, <laughs> my money's with the Birmingham lot. All right. Uh, last uh, specific question uh, for Tom. Tom, thirteen is a significant number in Thistlebone. So, so considering that context, my question to you is, would you consider 13 Going on 30 a folk horror film? Ah, uh, yeah. You, it could definitely be remade as a folk horror film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, all right. These last two questions are for both of you. If Thistlebone manifested himself into reality, or herself, I don't know, uh, and made you change the title of the second volume, which one of these would you choose? So instead of Poison Roots, it'd be Poisoned Puss in Boots, or Poisoned Fruits and Toots, or <laughs> Oops, I Poisoned Dr. Seuss. Which liking, title would you choose if you had to? I'm liking uh, Fruits and Toots. Fruits and Toots for me. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you heard it here, folks. You don't have to bother with the thistleworm bit. Fruits and Toots. Yeah, just that. <laughs> That's probably our next project, actually, Simon. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I expect royalties. Um, <laughs> last question. Hypothetically, if a handsome and vain American podcaster who escaped a cult decided to return to the village where all his trauma began, what one item would you suggest that he bring? A copy of Thistlebone, obviously, to to guide him through the uh, <laughs> to guide him through the cult. Uh, Use it like speaking a in tongues. Yeah. I yeah. like it, and it's a it's a hardcover too, so it would make a great weapon as well. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. you could jab someone in the eye <laughs> with that, and get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, you made it to the end of rapid fire. Congratulations, and um, thank you for again coming on the show. Um, uh, it was really fun having you guys. Uh, appreciate you, and uh, it's so fun to to meet with you and talk with you. And again, great work on the book. Uh, Simon, let's start with you. Is there anything that you would like to plug or, or point people to? Uh, the second book, I mean, I don't know what the publishing dates, if they're the same in the US, but uh, the second Thistlebone book is collected and published at the beginning of May, May the 12th, I think. So mm. if you haven't ordered it already do so it's good fantastic it it, it is um and tom uh what would you like to plug if anything else um yeah i'll no, just go by the second go by the second thistle board we'll leave it at that <laughs> all right fantastic well i will uh put your guys's social medias and stuff in the show notes so listeners if you 
want to follow Tom and, and Simon and see what they're up to, uh, please go there to check it out. And again, uh, please get the the first volume of Thistlebone and, and look forward to the second one. But um, yeah, thank you, Simon. Thank you, Tom. It's been a blast. And uh, listener, thank you for being here and uh, for listening. I think you're objectively attractive and I appreciate your ear holes accepting my words. Uh, but until next time, listeners, keep on humming and keep on... Uh, oh, I messed it up. Keep on humming and keep on fooling. <laughs>